Are you done yawning? <laughs> I am. Okay. Hey, Mark. Yes. So the slogan for the movie that we're covering today is a real doozy. Yeah. Boy, is it a throwback. It says, and I quote, finding love takes some assistance. It's so cheesy. See, it's a pun because there's like assistance, like helping somebody like with a CE, but there's also assistance, like someone who helps you out. Have we said what movie we're covering? Uh, we have not, but okay. I assume our, I feel like, our, yeah. our listeners are literate. They can read the title of a movie yeah, on the opposite I just, title. I feel like people might not understand that it's actually spelled A-N-T-S. Yes, yes it's a pun. It um, is. We will uh, post that everywhere on social media. Yes. Anyway, in the spirit of this movie and in the spirit of that stirring slogan, I was wondering, what are your favorite pop culture assistants? I think... Cecilia from Monsters, Inc. comes to mind. Celia. Celia. I mean, she has snakes for hair. She is dating Mike Wazowski. Actually, you know what a better answer is? I don't know if she counts as an assistant, but Roz. I don't think Roz is an assistant. Roz is an undercover, like, FBI agent, basically. Yeah, but she does paperwork. She loves paperwork. She loves that paperwork, though. Wazowski. Roz is one of my favorite movie characters of all time. I find her so funny every time I watch that movie. I don't know why. It's one of those things that it's hard to explain why I find it as it's funny It's been years since I've seen Monsters, Inc., so I just associate Roz with the Monsters, Inc. laugh floor in Tomorrowland and the Magic Kingdom, which is set in the future of the monster world where they are now powered by laugh energy and mike wazowski has like set up a stand-up night and they brought humans into the monster world because it's more efficient than sending monsters out one at a time yeah and so you're seeing people deliver jokes but Roz is there as like the statler and waldorf just like making fun of him that's pretty exciting yeah it's a good time I thought of a bunch of examples for this. My first thought was Margaret from The West Wing, who She's is great. just terrific. She's very tall. As Allison Janney says one time, like, you're very tall, and uh, I find that soothing. <laughs> But she's also super weird, and I appreciate that. Mrs. Lanigan? Ms. Lanigan is great. Yeah. I also thought of Jonathan from 30 Rock. Pam from The Office. And of course, one of the greatest assistants of all time is Tara Tam, who one time ate a duck. A real duck! This is not a Howard the Duck thing. He can it's tell, not a Howard the Duck thing. He can tell and I suspect him because of the look in my no, no. eye. Tara Tam, she ate something. She thought it was a real duck. It turned out to be a shape-shifting alien that had taken the form of a duck. And so she ate it and that gave her shape-shifting alien powers. And then when the shape-shifting aliens came and invaded, they tried to recruit her, but she didn't want to. And she was kidnapped. And then she had to get rescued by Howard the Duck and became his assistant. Oh my god. What is this from? It's from the Howard the Duck comics by Chip Zdarsky. Wait, I've heard of him. Who is he? He was the artist on Sex Criminals. Oh, he yeah. He writes Spider-Man now. He's great. Oh my god, that's so over the top. That comic book series just makes no sense to me. It's but, so weird. It's kind of the point. I know, but I will never forgive the series for the movie. So I, like, refuse to accept anything that they do as cool. Well, we've kind of got a Howard the Duck connection in this movie. Because our female lead, Zoe Dutch, is the daughter of Leah Thompson. She is? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So the whole time she's in this movie, I imagine Zoe Dutch was just thinking, like, wow, I'm building my career up. I've been in a couple things. Now I'm going to be in this. And one day I'll get to be in a movie as great as the ones my mom was in. Like Howard the Duck. 
I'm sure that was her thought the whole time. I'm sure Leah Thompson just talks about that movie so fondly just every day. Yeah, she talks about the greatest actor she ever met, the dude in the Howard the Duck costume who couldn't see through the costume and had to memorize the steps as he was walking. Honestly, if she thought that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame her. That guy's pretty impressive. That guy's a rock star. Oh my god. Okay, we've done Duck Talk. So let's start the show. It's time for Heart of Podness. I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. And this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Or even likable? You know what, Mr. Lep? Our giant leopard friend whose face I am cradling on the table? It does not matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, we're doing something new. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, this is our first time doing anything that's, like, culturally relevant at the time of release. Yeah. Let's be real. Hopping on that zeitgeist. So, today we're talking about the Netflix rom-com called Set It Up, directed by Claire Scanlon and written by Katie Silberman. And it's being discussed as maybe the kickstart to a new wave of rom-coms. I hope so, because this is a delightful rom-com. It was really fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. Although, it wasn't originally scheduled to be on Netflix. The movie was originally supposed to be produced by MGM... And Amelia Clark was supposed to play the lead, but then she had scheduling conflicts and wasn't able to do it. And then MGM was like, yeah, we're not doing it without her. So MGM dropped out, they hired Zoe Dutch, and Netflix picked it up. I think this movie is more fun having not super famous people I as agree. the assistants. I think it really works to have Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs as the, like, the boss characters. They're great, by the way. Yeah, they're so good. But I think it really works to have, like, established actors in those roles, but keeping the others as, like, more unknown people. It makes it feel more believable that these are just people on the bottom. Yeah. But it's also kind of a nice spirit there where this is a new thing for a lot of the people involved in the process. This is is the first screenplay that Katie Silberman had produced. It's Claire Scanlon's first time directing a movie. She started out as an editor for like PBS documentaries and then she was an editor for The Office for a couple of seasons. Oh wow. And from there she sort of moved into directing TV, mostly sitcoms. She yeah. directed a couple episodes in the final season of The Office and has been doing a lot of single camera sitcoms ever since then. That's awesome that she got a movie. Cause yeah. like it's good. It is good. <laughs> it was really fun. We need more of this. I know we do need more of this. Give me more rom-coms. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize this, but the whole time we were watching it, I recognized the lead guy from something, and it was Scream Queens, which was this weird Fox show horror Yeah, thing. it's a Ryan Murphy show. Yeah. Which I watched the first season of it. It's interesting. Can't really say for sure if I enjoyed it or not. So I know him because, by the way, this actor's name is Glenn Powell. Yep. And I know him because he played John Glenn in Hidden Figures. Oh, that's the other thing. Because I remember, I watched it and I was like, oh, that's the guy that played John Glenn. And then I was like, where do I know the guy that played John Glenn from? And I love him in Hidden Figures where everyone's like, he's very attractive. And Janelle Monet is like openly just ogling him. Oh, uh, Janelle Monet. Look, I love Octavia Spencer, but Janelle Monet should have been nominated over her for supporting actress. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Janelle Monet deserves every award in the world. But like, particularly in that movie, she's awesome. She's great. That movie is really good. Hidden Figures, love it. So we good. should do that just as an excuse to watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm down. And we could talk about Mahershala. There's a lot of romances in that one. Yeah, because they all have one. Uh, Octavia doesn't. Is she not? I haven't seen the movie in a long time. No, Janelle Monet has like her dude that she's just like going along with. Yeah. And it's great. And then Taraji, Taraji P. Henson yeah. like falls in love with Mahershala. 
Right. We should watch it. It's great. Let's do it. All right. Uh, speaking of stuff that we watched, there's not a whole lot more to talk about this movie. It's new. People are excited about it. It's getting a lot of great reviews. Yeah. But because it's on Netflix, we don't know how many people watched it. They don't release ratings. We don't have any box office information because it's on Netflix. We just know that like BuzzFeed is really into it. Yeah. Did it get a like? It's a 92% score? on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I'm not sure Metacritic. Oh, it's only a 60 on Metacritic. That's a crime. That's based on 12 critics. Oh, so not that many. No. Okay, so IndieWire, Variety, both high ratings. David Sims gave it a 65. He liked it, though. If you read the yeah. stuff he's written about it, he's like, it's not breaking any new ground, but it's fun, and that's what we need sometimes. Yeah, on Metacritic, I think I would say it's more of like a 70. Yeah, I would agree. For those of you who don't know, actually, because not everyone knows this, the score that a movie gets on Rotten Tomatoes is basically an average of thumbs up, some thumbs downs. So if a critic gives something a favorable review, that counts as a thumbs up. If they give it a bad one, that's a thumbs down. So a movie having 100% on Rotten Tomatoes doesn't mean people are like, this is a masterpiece. It means everyone's like, yeah, it's good. Whereas on Metacritic, critics have to assign a score out of 100 to a movie. So that is a little bit more reflective of what the consensus is. I will say if a movie on Rotten Tomatoes does have 100, it tends to be a masterpiece. Shout out to Paddington 2. Woo! The greatest movie of Best picture in 2018. Uh, maybe we should have a pad talk instead of duck talk where we just bring up Paddington 2 as often as possible. I mean, we kind of do that anyway. Yeah, that's fair. But there's not an obvious theme song for it. What if we just played the soundtrack of the entirety of the movie? You get the cherry bombs to reunite and record a song about Paddington, and I'll play that for Pad Talk. I was trying to make it work, and the syllables do not scan. It just doesn't work. Paddington. <laughs> Paddington the bear. bear. Don't they call him Paddington Bear, or is he always Paddington the Bear? He mostly goes by Paddington Brown, because he adopts oh, right. the last name of the family that he lives with. Yeah. The family of Sally Jenkins and Hugh Bonneville. Guys, this movie's the best. Go watch Paddington, but also watch Set It Up, yeah. because it's fun, and we should start talking about it. Probably. Okay, point number one, Will. So, what happens? Set It Up is a movie about assistants. We've got Harper, played by Zoe Dutch. We've got Charlie, played by Glenn Powell. Charlie works for... Rick, who is played by Tay Diggs. Harper works for Kirsten, who is played by Lucy Liu. And so the movie starts off with Charlie and Harper, like, doing their jobs. It's really exhausting. They're constantly asked to do a ton. They're asked to stay ridiculously long hours, do all kinds of annoying tasks. It starts off basically with a montage about the plight of workers in modern America. Oh, yeah. It's all, like, people in suits in New York leaving their offices way too late. And the fact that no one gets paid overtime, but they still have to work long hours is clearly an issue in this film. And people doing shitty jobs just for the concept of, like, promotions and Building mobility. Building connections. Yeah. Things and that... you can't say no to anything because then you'll be looked badly upon. It's a movie about the abuse of workers. Oh, 100%. And it's really not that condemning of it, though. Um, At least on the Lucy Lou side. No. It's it there. Could have been it could be a lot stronger. Socialist. <laughs> yeah. It certainly could be more socialist as a movie. But anyway, so the movie opens on this night where Harper and Kirsten have been staying super late at the office, and Kirsten is like, yo, get us some dinner. And it's like midnight, practically. And she's like, get us some dinner. And Harper's like, okay, and orders some dinner. And she's on the phone and she's told that it'll take 45 minutes for the food to arrive. And she says, could you possibly get it to me in five? And the person clearly like laughs at her. Yeah. So she's getting really antsy because she's worried Kirsten will get mad at her and yell at her. 
Meanwhile, Charlie and Rick are coming back to the office because Rick was having some meeting somewhere else in the city. At the fancy club that Glenn Powell can't even go inside. Right. And as they're leaving, Rick takes a drink of, like, vegetable juice. And while he does it, he makes Charlie describe other good foods to him. Yeah, because he's on a juice cleanse. And then when Charlie asks, like, are you sure you don't want me to get you a real dinner? And Rick says, no, this was dinner. I had my juice. Yeah, so, but by the time they get to the office, Rick is like, where's my dinner? Because Rick is a turd. Yeah, he's the worst. He's the worst character in the movie. Oh, I mean, he's supposed to be. He's a great character, but he's a bad person. Oh, yeah. And so he's like, where's my food? And Charlie is like, what? At this point, nobody's taking new orders for takeout. Which feels really fake, because it's New York. That's not a thing. There's people that deliver at all times of night. But he's having a hard time, at the very least, with the places that he knows Rick likes. Right. Which are potentially nicer restaurants that are going to give him more of, like, a to-go meal. He does talk about needing, like, a fancy food from a deli. Right. So, Harper goes down into the lobby to finally pick up the food that has arrived for Kirsten when she discovers she does not have money on her. In another weird twist of... Not understanding New York City, the delivery driver is cash only. Yeah, so she can't pay him. She's really frustrated. She's, like, promising to go back and pay the next day, do whatever it takes, because she does not want Kirsten to be mad at her. She's clearly terrified of what would happen. Terrified of losing her job over this dinner. Right. It's like a life or death situation, which is insane. Meanwhile, this is when Charlie walks in, realizes that there is food for the taking, and decides to jump in. He can pay for it, and he pays for it, and he takes the food. In a very mean move. He is very rude about it. He is very rude about it. She's, like, trying to to beg him off, and he's like, "Mm, no. Because from his perspective, it is also a life or death situation. Right. So they do come to a compromise where... It's almost like capitalism pits workers against one another so that they can't rise up against management. I mean, yeah. So they come to a compromise where she'd ordered two meals, one for her and one for her boss. So they split it up, each getting one, neither getting to eat dinner themselves. Right. Um, She tries to take just the pickle for herself for her dinner. And he says, no, I'm not giving my boss a sandwich without a pickle. And then in the elevator, he's like, that pickle, that was my dinner. And he puts it in his mouth. Yeah. Both real assholes. So the next day... She goes back to pay him back for her half of the meal with interest because he insists on collecting interest. When he first suggests it, she says, I can't pay interest. I steal my toilet paper from work, which I appreciated because that is a thing I did in college. It's a thing I think everyone did in college. There was so much toilet paper. Yeah. It abounded. That is very true. I was also going to say, does this building not have any vending machines anywhere? Um, you know, I don't think either of those people was looking for a bag of Skittles. That's fair. These people, man. I guess she can't really afford it, because most of her meals seem to consist of eating the free chips you get at Mexican restaurants in the water. Which is also hilarious. Yeah, that's a great move. So, that next day, she goes back to pay him back, and they commiserate bickering about which of them has the worst boss, whose boss is more intense. My favorite thing that was said in this was when Harper said, Kirsten is like if Voldemort and Miss Piggy had a baby, and that baby hasn't had sex in a year. I really like this scene because it's very classic, like, oh, they meet up and they're competitive. Like, they might not like each other at first. But But it's not like cheesy meet-cute. It's not cheesy meet-cute, and they clearly, like, don't hate each other from the beginning. They don't peg it out to be, like, It's not a 27 Dresses situation. No, it's very much like, I think they both sympathize with each other, so they're not too mean to each other. Right, there's a recognition that you are 
similar to me in this way but also my situation is worse there's no way you can understand how bad mine is yeah but it avoids the trap of like by making them dislike each other at first some movies have that so strongly that you don't buy that they like each other by the end so for this one it was when harry met sally does that but then doesn't have them get together for like 15 years yeah so that one gets a pass right but this one clearly like it's understandable that they don't hate each other for real. Like, that they actually do become friends. There's a kinship because they yeah. also, the big thing that ties them together is their mutual understanding that the rigor of their job means that they're not really able to have a personal life. Like, the night that they first meet, Charlie tries to go to meet up with his girlfriend and she's like, no, I'm already in bed. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> See you another time. And Harper goes home. She missed a date. She missed a date. And her roommate gets engaged in the apartment. Her roommate played by Portia from Search Party. Her fiancé is cute. Yeah. They're both great. There are no characters that are bad. That's true. Well, Rick kind of. Yeah. But like in a lesser movie, the blonde roommate who gets engaged at the beginning would be ditzy, would be annoying. Yeah. Instead, she's like a nice person who's very supportive. They're actually clearly friends. Like it's not just a Liz Lemon, Jenna Maroney situation where they're not friends, but they keep saying that they are. (laughs) Which I love too. Oh, me too. But these two are also just clearly good friends and support each other and love each other and It's very nice. Yeah, it's great. But so while Harper and Charlie are chatting about their lives, Harper just kind of in talking about how she hasn't had a personal life in a while. She talks about how it's so long since she's been kissed that her tongue has probably atrophied. And then she says, when my mom was my age, she had me. I've never even had a boyfriend. Guys, society is driving us away from each other. We are all getting so lonely. But also the other great one is when the roommate gets engaged and announces she's getting engaged comes back out into the room and harper's just kind of sitting there with her mouth open and she's like we're not old enough to get married oh yeah (laughs) which is how i feel every time one of my friends gets engaged oh i feel the same way it's also really funny because she goes in when they're screaming to see what's wrong it gets in the middle of their like engagement hug and her awkwardly trying to squeeze out of it the physical acting from zoe dutch in this movie is incredible yeah i really like it well the other big thing that happens here is charlie jokes that they should try to get their bosses together because then if they were dating each other they wouldn't be at work all the time and charlie and harper would both have more free time yeah he like throws that out as a joke which leads us to point number two yes oh one thing that i feel like we should also mention because it's important to the like oh i guess we're not really talking about the lucy lou tay diggs plotline i mean you can talk about whatever you want yeah i was just gonna say that like at the beginning they established that lucy lou kirsten is really nice to that girl from dartmouth Mm -hmm. yeah which i think is a really good like touch from the beginning based off of where her character ends because like as a mentor yeah for harper right because spoiler alert in the end like lucy lou kirsten becomes like a mentor to harper and it's like women helping women in the workplace and it's great and the way that she justifies her treatment of harper is she's trying to like toughen her up so that she can make it in this man's world of sports journalism which is like not amazing but we understand what she's doing right at the end and it makes sense it's right. not like a sudden about face where you're like the, like and i also um i like the fact that the person we see being mentored early on is somebody who found her through that alumni community yeah. 
And so that makes Harper feel even more like I am cut out and with my job, I cannot pursue what I want to do. She winds up quitting later in the movie because she's like, if I want to be a writer, I need to be writing. I can't be being an assistant. Oh, right. At the very end. Which I appreciate too. It ties into the book I'm reading right now, which is about a guy who's like kind of frustrated being an assistant because he's working for someone who's really incredible. But as that guy rises up, main character is still an assistant. Right. Yeah. It's about how people as assistants are like trying to ride the coattails of their boss, but that doesn't really work out because they're still seen as assistants. Right. And I mean, finding love takes some assistance, but there's more to it than that, too. <laughs> oh, God. I can't tell if I love or hate that tagline. I'm obsessed with it. I really can't tell. It's better than every pun in Shark Tale. Yeah. But anyway, so Charlie tossed out this idea, which leads us to point number two. The next day, Harper shows up with spreadsheets on all the stuff that Kirsten likes. All the food she likes, all the stuff she likes to do, all the stuff she likes to talk about. And she's like, let's do this. Let's set it up. Yeah. He originally says no. Right. He originally says no. I think they're drinking. Right? No, this is at work. Isn't this the... Oh, The no, first time the she goes before. back down to his desk and yeah. is like, yo, I made this spreadsheet. Let's start working. And he's like, no, that's I don't... Right. I barely have time to do my real job, let alone <laughs> to like run a conspiracy, manipulating my boss like a puppet master. Which in the end, they successfully do that. So clearly he's lying. Um, well, he starts giving more work to the interns. That's true. We see that happen. Yeah. So yeah, they talk about it. They make a Cyrano reference, which I appreciated. Yeah, she specifically makes a Cyrano reference. Uh, She says they're going to Cyrano them, which isn't really what they do. And I like that the movie calls that out later. Yeah. Because they're not acting in someone else's stead. Right. They're just, as Charlie puts it later, they're parent trapping them. Yeah. They're not Cyrano-ing, they're parent trapping. My first thought before the parent trap one was this is strangers on a train without the murder. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Which it isn't quite either. No, I mean, I don't know if it does have a direct parallel. I mean, Parent Trap, kinda. Yeah. Except that if if it were the Parent Trap, then they would be working each other's bosses to get them into each other. But that's probably the closest one. Also, at this point, I noted that they still have not said set it up. They've only said set them up. Well, that's also a pun, the idea of, like, you're the assistant, like, set up the meeting, set it up. Right. A lot of wordplay happening just on the poster for this movie, Mark. Oh, yeah. But I'm just pointing out that we have not gotten to a a title drop yet. I I love title drops. I always want just, like, confetti to burst out of the TV when there's a title drop. That might be taking it a little far. Can you imagine? That's the next step of, like, 4DX. They've got the chair that punches you in the back. They've got the water, the stale water that splashes on you. They've got the wind that blows. I want them to shoot confetti out of the screen when Batman turns to Superman and says, This will be a dawn of justice. (laughs) Right, it would be great. That's also not a line from that movie. No. (laughs) Should have been. Do you think someone's going to get, like, cholera from that stale water at some point? It's got to be not cleaned. I wonder where the water comes from. It could just be from their, like, water system. Yeah, I'm guessing it's actually just tapped into a water main. Yeah. But it feels gross. I've never been to a 4DX movie, and I really want to. I know, me too. I haven't been to a 4DX movie, but I've been to, like, the Shrek 4D show at Universal Studios. I've been to It's Tough to Be a Bug at Animal Kingdom. I'm, they're all the same movie. Yeah. Back. They're setting each other up, and so they eventually oh, agree. Yes. In the midst of this, just a note on Charlie's love life, he is supposed to go out to lunch with his girlfriend, and instead takes him to Rick's son's play to save seats for it, and his girlfriend starts to leave him because she's like, I want to be with the person whose seat is being saved, not the person who's doing the saving. And he's like, no, hang out. This play is going to be delightful. Yeah, it's like a fifth grade play. His relationship with his girlfriend is not amazing because she's probably the the worst character. Yeah, she's clearly not into him. Like, I don't understand why she's still with him at all. As Charlie's roommate Pete Davidson says, Oof. Sue's kind of sucks. You take away her face and her boobs, 
She's kind of not saying anything. I mean, that's kind of true. It is but accurate also, about the character. Pete Davidson's character, man. Pete Davidson is in this movie as Charlie's gay roommate. It's not great. I was not a fan. I'm I sorry. didn't enjoy it. <laughs> it's only in like two scenes. I know. But it's like I saw what they were trying to go for, which is like the not all gay people act like, you know, super flamboyant and stuff. But it also just didn't feel real. Well, it felt like Pete Davidson. Oh, uh, that's also fair. He doesn't act. No. But it's just like they basically wrote a straight character and then replaced like they made him into dudes right they just replaced the women with dudes because they're also not given personalities or anything but it doesn't feel like it's actually written as a queer character if you understand what i mean i don't know i feel like i i don't think he's written as a queer character but i don't think he's like not written as a queer character yeah i think he's just like not that much of a character that's whereas like if you had the same character but he were into women you'd be like this character is a little thin yeah so i don't think it's that like I, think I don't think they didn't... necessarily didn't write him as gay. Yeah. I think they probably did. I, I think, think they were just like, are we going to spend that much time on this character? Not really. That's true. I think I also just don't like Pete Davidson. Like, in this movie specifically, but also in general. I don't love him. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a weakling. Yeah. I think that's really what it comes down to, is I was just like, oh, wait, I just don't think I like this actor. What are you doing here? Yeah. So they eventually decide to go ahead with this plan. So what Harper says is like, oh, we need to manufacture a meat cute. Right. And she even says that. Yeah. She says, we're going to make a meat cute. That's how relationships get started. Yeah. Because Harper has never had a boyfriend and understands this from rom-coms. Oh, for sure. She's been on dates with like a guy, but she's clearly never had a real relationship. She says that. Right. And it's very apparent in how she plans this whole meet cute situation. But it's fun. Yeah. So what they decide to do is they go to Buddy, the elevator operator. I thought his name was Creepy Tim. Oh, you're right. For some reason, I wrote that it was Buddy. I don't know what I'm doing. They go to Creepy Tim, the yeah. elevator operator guy played by titus burgess has a creepy basement dweller like literal basement of this office building surrounded by plants they bring him a small plant to get him to do what they want specifically a succulent because they want him to say the word succulent (laughs) as as many many times times as they can can. (laughs) oh he's so funny he has this gross little mustache. What they do is they get Rick and Kirsten into an elevator together, and then they're going to shut it down, so they'll be trapped in there and have to talk to each other and fall in love. They Which give it... is also clearly not what happens. I would right. not talk. I would pull out my phone. So they give it codename Pandora's Box. Oh, I think my favorite creepy Tim line is she asks, like, oh, can you really raise plants down here? And he just goes, no, I just like to watch them slowly die. <laughs> Creepy Tim is awesome. Titus Burgess is a masterpiece. I was really hoping he would come back more. You get a bit at the very end. At the very end, yeah. In the credits, but I just, like, would watch anything. Netflix should just put Creepy Tim in all of their movies. Yes. A cohesive universe. Yeah. The CTCU. All of it takes place in... He's the Stan Lee of Netflix movies. I'd be so on board. So, the great thing that happens besides Creepy Tim is that at the last minute, a delivery guy also gets in the elevator, and it gets stuck, and they're like, no, we don't want to do this with him in there, so they restart it, but then it gets stuck for real. Yeah, and he's claustrophobic. So he immediately, the delivery guy starts taking off all his clothes. Immediately. He's like, I'm too hot! All of his clothes. And then it's been 30 (laughs) seconds, and he's like, I have to pee! Look away so, from me. In the box that he's delivering, there are a bunch of, like, very small glasses. It looks like shot glasses. Yeah. So he just starts peeing into the... He pulls the box open of shot glasses that are being delivered to somebody and just starts peeing in them. So clearly this is not going according to plan. To bring it back to our plot, 
Right. But what they do is the next day, Harper tells Kirsten that a dude that Kirsten was trapped in the elevator with asked for Kirsten's contact info. And then Harper, oh, Kirsten asks if it was the delivery guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i forgot about and harper that. says no but that she's like look i know it's our policy we don't uh give out your information so don't worry about it you'll never hear from them again right laying and, the seeds yeah because get this rick didn't ask for her contact info yeah they're they're puppet masters yes spreadsheets are the strings of the puppets that I really should have been the, the tagline for this movie <laughs> i really appreciate the level of spreadsheets in this movie and so on the other end... Oh, Charlie tells Rick that Mark Cuban is thinking about investing in Kirsten's site. Yeah. Because Rick's really competitive. Right. So they realize that for Lucy Liu, it might actually work to start at a romantic angle, but they don't start that way with Rick. They're like, he needs to see this as like something to win. Right. Which is like not amazing. No, not at all. But you also get the great shot of Charlie really poorly fake typing. Yeah. At this oh. moment. <laughs> it's awesome. There should have just been clackety clack sounds. But so, that oh, brings us to their next Date. scheme, next plan, which is a Yankees game. A Yankees game, right. They separately arrange for them both to have tickets one row apart. Right. Like Kirsten's sitting behind Rick at the Yankees game. And the two of them go to the game. Harper is all decked out in Yankees gear. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff. She got there early, realized she was early, went to the gift shop, and clearly spent about $500. About $500. I was thinking that, about $500. On every Yankee apparel item they had, and then was late to the meeting. And Charlie shows up in a suit. Yes. So... One of the things I really like in this movie is the fact that Kirsten's website is a sports website. For example, we get some nice little riffs towards paying college athletes, you know. Oh, yeah, I have appreciated that. Holding coaches and staffs accountable. Like, a lot of throwaway good stuff in there, too. But more importantly, I like this representation of women in sports media. Because that's something that is absolutely present. There are a lot of women who really like sports. But there are a lot of men who are really resistant to that. Like, this past fall, for the first time, a woman was one of the main commentators for a Monday Night Football game. And there was a ton of backlash. And what they all said was, like, it's not that we don't like women, it's that her voice is annoying. But that's a criticism that you hear generally against women all the time yeah and like that's a real criticism that people face and like sometimes veteran sideline reporters get replaced with like young attractive women as opposed to these women who have worked up and spend a lot of time studying sports yeah and there's a great scene where they're watching a video of kirsten interviewing some sports guy interviewing a coach is it a coach i thought it was a player pretty sure it's a coach because he's shirtless oh yes yes yes. yes. we're thinking of a different interview oh okay so it's just a video of her interviewing a player in the hallway and it's just her saying like great job now if you watch the ball as much as you've been watching my tits during this interview you guys might have won exactly calling it out and yeah at the game, Charlie takes a picture of Harper, like, watching the game and all of her Yankee stuff, and he's like, use this for a dating profile. Guys love girls who like sports. And there's this great conversation that they then have driven by Harper, where she's like, that's not actually what a lot of guys like. Guys like girls who will look cute in tight-fitting, sporty clothes, but then not bother them while they are actually doing sports. And she has a great line. Guys don't like girls who like sports. Guys like girls who like guys who like sports. Exactly. It reminded me of the cool girlfriend section of Gone Girl. Oh, yeah. Where she talks about, like, the cool girlfriend is the one who, like, doesn't care, lets you do what you want, but that's, like, not actually a girlfriend. Right. And the girl who likes sports that a lot of people might say is what they appreciate is not actually a person who likes sports. And I like that this movie calls it out, and this movie is very pro-women just, like, doing whatever. And, like, not just women supporting women, like you were talking about, but going into these very male-dominated fields and doing that, too. Right. And then you also get a great conversation between Kirsten and Rick, where, like, they've just recognized 
recognized each other from the elevator and they make some small talk and then rick says oh do you want to come sit next to me while i wait for this client they're the best seats in the house and she says no you should come sit next to me because these are the best seats in the house and he goes but these are the most expensive and it clearly shows that lucy Liu knows a lot more about sports because she explains why they're better and I right don't better angle better yeah. ability to hear from both dugouts yeah but he's just like well i spent the most money on this seat so clearly it's the best it's the competition right so it shows like the angles that they're coming at like in their different job fields too now the other big thing that happens at the game is that before charlie and harper go to their seats they meet up with a friend of harper's who runs the jumbotron yeah and they point out these seats get them on the kiss cam so it takes three times but they eventually do kiss on the kiss cam yeah first the kiss cam goes to them and they don't do anything and then it goes to some other people goes to two bros yeah who then actually do kiss which i appreciated yeah and then in a it goes sh- back to them and kirsten kisses him on the cheek yeah everyone boos, everyone boos. yeah because now they're all invested right and then on the third time they actually do a real kiss and in a shocking twist the kiss cam did not go on harper and um, i really thought charlie, it was gonna go on harper I totally and charlie thought would happen yeah but they do start cheering really excitedly they hug each other when the kiss happens yeah they're like we got them yeah they're clearly moving together yeah so we start going rapid fire into them developing this relationship because the next day both their bosses are late because they were staying out late together Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, harper gets a tinder date that's exciting she goes mini golfing with this dude she really likes him she really likes him she's excited about it so she's able to do that on the nights when she's not sitting up in bed with her a, popcorn her sack. popcorn pouch she has this like like the pouches that people use to carry a baby on their chest it's almost like that but it's just a bag full of popcorn and she yeah she just eats right out of it bend her head down while watching tv i want one so badly you have Uh, no idea oh my god she's kind of a hero but also as they're continuing to manipulate their bosses so like they're sending gifts to the bosses in the other boss's name they're sending flowers they're also becoming better friends so like the night after the mini golf date charlie messages her to ask how the date went right the bosses are also starting to talk more candidly with them in a way where lucy lou admits like i'm late because i spent the night with a man which like it's also helping their personal relationships with their bosses as they get happier right the bosses are becoming more well-rounded people and then that also makes them happier which kind of translates into them getting along more now the boss relationship we aren't focusing a ton on in this episode but there's a bit in there where charlie gets to work and he finds rick destroying his office kirsten is announcing that she's actually not going out of town on this trip because they had a fight about eating korean barbecue they went to korean barbecue she asked him if he'd ever eaten korean barbecue before he said yes to not look dumb and then just ate a plate full of raw meat and refused to listen to what she was telling him right so she felt like he was an idiot who didn't respect her enough to listen to her yeah he felt like he looked like a fool and what kind of situation was this anyway but charlie's able to talk him down get him to go apologize and the wind up getting back together and going on their trip after all which means that charlie and harper now have a free weekend yeah um one thing i wanted to point out while they're talking about the golf guy he is in her phone as golf guy (laughs) i love that yeah my go-to reference for that always is there's an episode in season one of community where jillian jacobs is going through joel McHale's phone and seeing the names of all the women in there yeah that's so great so this free weekend it leads us to our third point which is when because mini golf guy hasn't been answering Charlie goes with Harper to Harper's roommate's engagement party. Right. So he's very nice about it. 
Yeah, and they're clearly going as friends. Right, they're clearly going as friends, but they go, they're hanging out, getting drunk. There's a lot of music playing. This movie had the music budget of a much more expensive movie. Oh my god, they had all of these songs. I think half their budget was on music, because they've got, just at this party, they're playing Brandy, they're playing Sign Seal Deliver. At the baseball game, they play the greatest song of all time, The Power of Love, the theme song from the 1985 film Back to the Future, starring Zoe Dutch's mother, Leah Thompson, subject of a future two-hour episode of this show. Do you think Netflix, like, bought these song rights for the company so that they can just use them? I don't know that much about how song rights Is work. Is that a thing that could happen? I don't think it works like that. I think you have to pay per use. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't know. Who knows? That's the power of love. <laughs> Yeah, so they go to the first rooftop party of the movie. You're talking about the pool party? No, this is that's the second. The, the engagement party. party, right? The engagement party. The engagement party is and great. While they're there. They Char- dance. Yeah, Charlie dances like an idiot and um, gets Harper out on the dance floor as well, and they both dance like idiots, which is delightful. Yes. And then they get more drunk, and she decides she needs pizza, and she goes up to her roommate, and she says, "I love my life, and I'm so happy for you, but there is no pizza on this roof, and so I have to go." And this is the moment where I was like, Harper is my avatar. Yeah. So her best friend slash roommate says, oh, go, you should go. And like pushes her and Charlie away. Right after that, a whole bunch of pizza shows up on the roof. So the roommate knows something's going on. Yeah, She's the roommate to is. figure it out. She's, She's good. Them together. Anyway, they go and get pizza and then are climbing up the fire escape. No, because first they go to the front door, and this leads me to a very important question, which I wrote in all caps in my notes. Does Duncan not have his own bedroom? This is the roommate. Because they open it, and he's like, we can't interrupt them, like, that they're having sex right in the living room. And I'm just wondering. I mean, I think Duncan does have his own bedroom. He's just having sex in the living room instead. Yeah, but also, if he's having sex in the living room, I would yell. I'd be like, what are you doing? You have a bedroom for a reason. It seems like they've established this already. Yeah, it seems like Charlie's just accepted that this is something that happens on the reg, (laughs) which feels very weird. So what they do instead is, to get to Charlie's room, they climb up the fire escape, which leads to this great sequence where they have to protect the pizza from falling while climbing up the fire escape. And this movie makes this pizza look like the best pizza on the planet. Like, if there were a pizza planet, it would be made of this pizza. Yeah, they talk about it too. It's so tantalizing, it was infuriating. Wait, Will, do they go to the pool party first and then the engagement party? I forget when the pool party is. It's not in my notes. I think they may have gone to the pool party first. They go to a pool party and Charlie's girlfriend, Suze, is like not paying attention. Oh, and so then they leave to go to the engagement party. Because this is where he offers, because that's where they talk about golf guy and she's like bummed that he's not texting. He takes her phone from her. He's like, don't worry about it. Because Pete Davidson is the one that brought her to the pool party. Right. Like dragged her along. So then they go to the engagement party. Yeah. Then they get pizza, and then they're eating their pizza. It's great. They're having a good time. They kind of are getting flirtier. They make significant eye contact. Yeah. And That's it's like, it. it could turn into something. But then it doesn't. She leaves, but takes two slices of pizza with her, yeah. because Harper is the best. There's a nice cover of Come Go With Me playing during this scene, too, which is another example of the music, the music budget. budget. So that brings us to point four. It does indeed. The next day, Rick and Kirsten call both of their assistants into Kirsten's office to introduce them. Because Rick's assistant and Kirsten's assistant would never have met each other. No, I seriously thought they were getting busted. Like, I don't know. I thought it... It's kind of what the movie wants you to think. Yeah. They're coming back from their weekend away. Right. They've figured it out. Yeah. I fell for it. And instead, they announced that they're engaged. Right. They're going to get married. And their assistants need to... Plan the wedding. They say set it up. Oh, this is where they say it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't actually write it. Oh, Mark. Whoops. 
I failed. Oh, oh no, and I also, did. I found it. And also, in addition to that, Charlie's going to be promoted, and Harper is going to get to write her piece on the Geriatric Olympics. Yeah, because they're competing over who can demonstrate that they're a better person to their assistant. Right, yeah. yeah. So, they're setting up the wedding. They're like, all right, this is happening. Our lives are still great. But then Rick tells Charlie to send his ex-wife a message that he's going to beat her to getting remarried, but tonight they're going to knock boots. Oh, and by the way, tell Kirsten I have a meeting. So, this is very sad. Rick is clear a terrible person who doesn't actually love Lucy Liu. Which, yeah, Charlie's like, what the heck? How could you ever cheat on Lucy Liu? She's amazing. I think she would beat me up. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about the movie she's been in. Like, she could clearly kick your ass. Yeah. But so then Charlie goes along with it. He's like, yeah. all right, like, my life is much better with this going on. Like, their relationship is their problem. Right. But then Harper goes to deal with something and she hears Rick flirting with his ex-wife over the phone and she asks Charlie about it and he tries to lie to cover for it. Yeah. But she catches him in the lie and she is mad. Yeah, she's furious. They get into a big fight. And Harper says that she's going to go tell Kirsten the whole truth. Right. And so she goes to tell Kirsten and Kirsten says, you're 25. You can't know the intimacy of a relationship and fires her. Oh, there is a good line. I liked when Harper told Charlie that he was choosing to be a piece of shit. Like, he wasn't a terrible person, but he was choosing to be one. Yeah. Because that felt very real. It is really good, yeah. The whole place where that fight is taking place is at a jewelry store where they're supposed to be buying the rings for this wedding. Yeah, and she's wearing one, which I didn't notice. They actually put it on her until she stormed out and the alarm went off. So, anyway, there's a whole thing where Kirsten then is not able to put a stop to it. Charlie has a change of heart and decides that actually he is going to put a stop to it. So he's like, I've got to rush to the airport and put a stop to this wedding. In the greatest scene of... Any moment in film history. One that caused Will Better than Kalhonaho? Oh, no, nothing's better than Kalhonaho. But a scene that caused Will and I to stand up and applaud at From the our couch. He is like, oh no, I have to run to the airport. And he's acting stressed. And he's like running through the streets of New York. And he like looks at his watch and is just like, oh wait, I have four hours to kill. And then he just starts killing time. He like meets up with some friends. And we lost it we start we did stand up and applaud from the couch yeah and so then he's standing at a food truck talking to someone while eating something and he checks his watch he just goes oh no i overdicked around which is a callback to when she was in the gift shop yeah and then he has to actually end up sprinting to the airport to which catch is them. great it was so funny so he sprints there he tells the truth and at first kirsten is like what are you talking about but then she is convinced yeah they're doing this whole conversation. He's downstairs and they're on a balcony. And I love the fact that nobody in the airport cares. Yeah, no one is looking except one guy. When uh, he's yelling at her to break up with Rick, one guy goes, yeah, go with the young guy over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only guy to, like, engage in this conversation at all. It feels true to life. Oh, yeah. This so that's This definitely happen in JFK where no one would pay attention. Right. And so Kirsten and Rick break up and also Charlie gets fired. Charlie quits. Oh, Charlie quits. You're right, Charlie quits. Charlie quits, and then Rick tries to fire him after he quits. Right, which leads us to our fifth and final point. The next day. The denouement. Harper shows up at work to pick up some of her stuff. Clear out her desk. Kirsten tries to hire her back. She's like, look, we need you to keep this place running. You are amazing. This is where she explains that she's only been tough on her to prepare her for the the big leagues right and it's where harper says like you know what i need to leave so that i can do what i actually want to be doing if i want to be a writer i need to be a writer right so she packs up her stuff she leaves and she's outside where she meets charlie out on the street and charlie just straight up tells her i like you you're not hard to get you're hard to earn and then earlier in the movie they talked about how 
Well, it was at, at the, engagement the engagement party. party. Yeah, Harper's roommate was saying that it was her grandma who told yeah. her, like, you like somebody because and you, you love somebody despite. despite. And they were talking about and yet. Where right. it was like she was talking about how much. You showed a total lack of character. You have the romantic and sexual personality of a seventh grader. And they just start doing that. They're basically doing each other's despites, each other's and yet's. Yeah. And then they kiss. And then Yay! they kiss. And usually in a movie like this, a device like the and yet. I would really be off board for. But, but you know what the writer did? What? She set it up. She did. She set it up well. So I ended up, I actually was like on board with that one. I didn't find it too, like too fake. Right. And again, because like it would, if Charlie had then been like, we should get married. Yeah. Then I would have said no. No, but they just kiss. And then that's all you need. Yeah. And then Zoe Dutch posts on Instagram like, yo, Netflix, when are you giving us another one? And I'm like, maybe I would watch that. So what do you think? Is uh, Harper's relationship with Charlie believable? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They, you know, are in similar places in their professional lives. She's um, a couple years younger than him. She is a couple years younger. Uh, which is funny because at one point she's like, you know, I don't know what I would do if this is what my life was like by the time I was 28. And he goes, I'm 28. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, I think they're both into the Yankees. Clearly they do share some interests. Yeah. And I don't know. The plot isn't plausible, but their personalities seem plausible enough to me. The romance between them is thoroughly plausible, I think. Yeah. Um, where would you rate it on a 10-point scale, with 10 being totally believable and 0 being Howard the Duck? Probably like an 8. Yeah, I agree with that. It's very believable. They're set up super well. Yeah, the characters are well, like, fleshed out. It's a testament to the writing that none of it ever feels really contrived. Will, we forgot to talk about the Science Fair project. And what oh my gosh! What they ended up naming as a Science Fair project. Ah, uh, so Charlie is tasked with making Rick's son's Science Fair project. He's originally making a lemon battery. Yeah. But then it gets smooshed. And he's, like, using it to power something to make lemonade so that it has a cheesy title. When it gives you lemons... Yeah. Make lemonade. Yeah, so then they make a new project, which doesn't seem like a science fair project at all. It just seems like an art project. All right, and let's be clear, middle school science fair. Yeah, I mean, true. But it's just like put some food coloring in some milk and then drop, I think it's soap in it, and it makes pretty cool patterns, colors. Yeah. But the, it's a chemical uh, reaction. Yeah, but they submit the art project under the name Magic Milk XXL. Which is great. Which is just something that only the teachers will understand. It's really great. It's funny. Yeah, that's the movie. It's that's just the movie. It's light things and like funny. That. Yeah. yeah. And also the boss points out the lemonade one that he destroyed was better. It was much better. Yeah. Um, do you think Harper and or Charlie are dateable? Um, I think so. I would agree. I think this is the first movie we've watched where it just has, like, normal people at our phase in life Mm -hmm. without any, like, exaggerated characteristics. Yeah. So these feel way more dateable than most other people that we see in movies. No, I'm a huge fan. I mean, Harper, you date her for that popcorn pouch alone. Yeah, honestly, to get access to it. Imagine how romantic it would be if you each had one arm in the popcorn pouch. I was gonna say, what if you had, like, a long one that would stretch across two chests? Oh, so cute. Um, Charlie is dateable, but not for me, Okay, I would say. That's fair. I think I could date Charlie. Yeah. End of movie Charlie. Beginning of movie Charlie is too superficial. Yes. But by end of movie... Beginning of movie Charlie is so determined to get out of the situation that he's in that he's willing to knock down people to do it. Right. And he's, like, interested in his girlfriend for the status, and he's all about status, but it's also not an unbelievable character arc either. No, it's not. Which, when you explain it like that, it sounds kind of 
pony, but I do think this is a more believable one. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board. If you did have to pick one person in this movie to date, who would it be? I'll probably say Lucy Liu, not for Kirsten, but just because it would feel wrong to choose anyone other than Lucy Liu. Okay, I've got to go with Harper. She's awesome. Yeah, she actually does seem like someone you would be interested in. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. We could watch sports together and eat snacks out of pouches. Uh, Can I date the snack pouch? No, because it says one person in the movie. Okay. Oh, you know who it really is? Don't Um, say Titus Burgess. No. It's, oh, it's the delivery guy who pees in the elevator. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's um, her roommate's fiance. He's cute. He's cute. He's nerdy. He's yeah. sex positive. He's fun. I liked him. There you go. But yeah, I think that's I think that does that's it. Set it, it up. Set it it's up. on Netflix. Go watch it. It's great. It's like an, an hour 40 of your life that is well spent. Yeah, exactly. So looking ahead, it's the 4th of July this Wednesday, but we're going to stay in the spirit of the season all the way through the weekend. So you can join us next Monday when we'll be able to exclusively reveal, you know what, Mark? The secret lies with Charlotte. You'll hear it here first, folks. We're going to be talking about the classic film, National Treasure. I'm so excited. Will is so excited. In the meantime, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe, and talk to us on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. Keep sending those hashtag podcast summer stories to us on Twitter about getting somebody to listen to the show. And you can always email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. All right, last question. What's the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? If you mistreat your assistants enough, they will set you up with someone. It might not work out, but you'll at least get three months of a relationship out of it. So this is not one that winds up working for Charlie, but I do like the idea of taking people on dates to see children's plays at school. <laughs> oh God, don't do that. I feel that like that really one creepy. can't go wrong. <laughs> that sounds so awful. Well, I'll try it and I'll let you know. Oh God. Uh, there you go though. Until next time, I am a ginger. And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Set it up.